0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Beckham sets up on the outside. It's Dark again. Stutter, step. Dark Busting to the outside for the touchdown!
0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan.
1: Oh, ho, ho, Grump you're getting into the final stretch of the holiday season and of course that's all we have to talk about because we have no playoff season to worry about this year
0: uh, what is it that you want for christmas man?
1: what do i want for christmas <laughs> i want to wake up and pretend the last 7 years are all just a dream a horrible <laughs> a horrible dream and my uh my florida gators are still in the top 5 and my new york giants are um, Competing for their third Super Bowl in five years. That's what I want.
0: Well, anyone can dream. You don't need a... You, know, <laughs> you don't need a Christmas miracle for a dream.
1: <laughs> um, a festivist miracle? Would yeah, that help? Yeah.
0: Uh... What do I want for Christmas? Do I want a quarterback, an offensive lineman, or a defense? Those are the questions. Plaguing the Giants as they enter down the stretch, mathematically eliminated... Um, this Sunday they play the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium at one o'clock um, against a pretty hot eight and six Colts team, um, and the Giants for the first time this season are eliminated from the playoff contention. Yeah, so game we
1: thought it's a game we thought back in August that would be oh this should be a game the Giants should win, and you know a lot has changed. You know they had a they. They screwed up their coaching search. They got jilted at the altar. They had to pick it all, you know, an alternative coach at the last minute and the offensive line has played well and Andrew Luck has been great lately and they're making a run for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, um there was a there was an article written by Big Blue View about how the Colts were able to turn around their organization faster than the Giants. Uh did you see that?
1: I did not, but I can answer it in you know two words. Right, Andrew first. Luck. See, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a long way to go when you have a quarterback.
0: It depends. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. It depends on where we're, we're setting the bar for the Colts rebuilding from. I mean, are you really going to go all the way back to when Peyton Manning was the quarterback? Because Andrew Luck's first year, they were in the playoffs.
1: Oh, no, I mean, just coming back from the last couple of years.
0: Well, I would say that the one thing that they've invested in was the offensive line. Right. In the last couple of years. And Andrew Luck, without an offensive line, who would be probably a top 10 quarterback, maybe, Andrew Luck? I would say so. Yeah. Without an offensive line, this team was garbage. Yeah. So in my opinion, it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback if he can't stay standing. And Andrew Luck is not an immobile pocket passer either.
1: Oh, see the way you, the way you described the article was the, the how the faster turnaround, like something happened from last year to this year. You know that, that so okay, I, under, I understand the context more now.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the reason I jumped on that is because a lot of people, more than half people, said uh, Andrew Luck was the answer, which is almost implying that the reason the Giants can't turn it around is because of Eli Manning, which, again. Not defending or apologizing for Eli Manning, but there are bigger problems. Replacing the quarterback will not help turn this around any faster.
1: Right. The systemic problems with this team that, you know, have to be built from the inside out on both sides of the ball. So
0: Yeah. yeah. And and you know, like you said, the Colts have done a lot of the things necessary to turn their organization around where the last couple of years they've failed to really take the reins in a pretty weak AFC South up until this past two years, right? I mean, Tennessee was never much of anything. Jacksonville was never really much of anything. Even Houston was never really much of anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were teams that, like, you know, would squeak into the playoffs and play on the Saturday at 4 o'clock game. That doesn't tell you, you know, what people think of those teams. And it, it was never any consistency. Like, one team was always there. Like, the Texans didn't have this seven year run of winning the division or anything, so it was kinda of like the NFC South where every year you have a different, you know, division champ.
0: It's kinda of like the NFC East. That's true too, yeah. the the only exception being that there was a Super Bowl winner in it the last couple of years. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Good point. <sighs> um so it, it for me. Last year, I'm not really sure when the Giants were officially mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Um, I imagine it was earlier than this, but...
1: It had to be because we had two wins up into Week 17, so... Oh, yeah. true. I don't even think they even made it into December being alive.
0: Yeah. So playing down the stretch, I mean, a lot of the focus was on whether or not Ben McAdoo or Jerry Reese or both were going to survive... You know the season they didn't even uh finish out the season either of them right in fact i would believe Gettleman was hired before the season ended yes because yes. Bobby Hart was cut i remember was like one of his first moves
1: that's correct it was that one day where they both got smoked on the same day yeah he just cleaned house
0: yeah um well now as the Giants are mathematically eliminated and you know five and nine is not a Good record by any stretch of the imagination, but to be mathematically eliminated with two, three weeks left is not shameful.
1: I guess I mean they're playing in a weaker division.
0: That's a good point.
1: I mean, if you know, if they were, it wouldn't be shameful if they were playing in the same division, like let's say the NFC West, and you know the the Rams are eleven and two or something. Okay. Then it's like, well, there's there's a dominant team. I mean, you know, the second I started to believe in the Cowboys, they get shut out. Yeah, I go back to, well, you know, there's no stud in this division. So it's, you know, it's disheartening that we've been eliminated so quickly. Um, and also because a lot of what happened early in the season, too. I mean, yeah. the Giants have played better last week. Not, and again, even last week, you know, I get it. We were shut out. I get it. The offense do much of anything, but we were in that game. And yeah. We've been in all these games, so playing down to competition or playing up to competition. It wasn't like last year where, you know, they were as a swath of games. We were never in it and just mentally checked out. This, this team has stayed, you know, their heads in these games, which is a credit to this coaching staff. One of the best things you probably could say about the coaching staff.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things I'm going to focus on. Not not keys to winning this game or individual guy. I mean, I guess there's a, a few guys here and there I want to keep my eye on, and you know whatever. But I want to see the the, the true test of Pat Shermer's medal, James Betcher's medal, uh, is going to be how these guys play, knowing they have nothing to play for but their own pride, and their their I mean their jobs. But there are certain guys who will get a job no matter how bad they play the next two games, right? I mean,
1: that is true, but there are several guys that may be getting a lot less money for their next job. Well, yeah, but – Janoris Jenkins is not going to be getting paid with his next job if he gets cut from the Giants.
0: No, but he is going to get a job. He will not be He's out of He's going to a get job. a job.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's – yeah, 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 yeah. If Olivier Vernon gets cut, if Janoris Schenkins gets cut, um, you know, you're right. They will get jobs in the NFL, but again – probably not these lofty salaries they're getting at this moment
0: so no, i I doubt that very much they're also they're also on the lofty salaries they got because they signed a contract at the prime age for their exactly. career so i mean exactly. they're not at that age anyway so even if they were playing at a high level
1: right I, so I they'd know. rather they'd rather fight for their jobs and keep what they're getting paid now <laughs> so okay. that's my point
0: i mean nevertheless i'm interested to see how mentally checked in how dialed in the, the Giants players are playing when they know there's no hope of a January.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even you could you can even say like, you know, three weeks ago, while they were still mathematically in it, this team didn't check itself out and they won some games. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, so, you know I I I don't know how you know again, I'm not an NFL player. I don't, I don't have that competitive fire that's like at an elite level, you know as, as these guys are, how they self motivate themselves, but they all played like you know, you know, there's a one in a million chance. Well, you're saying there's a chance they played yeah. that way. They did. You know, now now if there's none, you're right. It'll be very interesting to see what happens, especially going on the road, you know, in a in a you know against a hot team, and then playing a team at home that is probably desperately going to need that win. Yeah. So how they respond.
0: There are some guys who aren't going to play that I would have liked to keep my eye on. I mean, we really don't think Odell Beckham is going to play, right? He hasn't practiced yet this week.
1: I would think. I think we've seen the last of him this year, to be very honest. That's what I think, too. Yeah, there's there's no point in playing him. Um, let me ask you a question. Do you 100% buy that it's just a quad injury? Do you think there's something more or less going on with him? Like, do you think this is the real story? it seemed a little shady how the story kind of snuck up on everybody
0: yeah i mean i assumed that there was something but I, I you know it's one of those things where it could have been a minor injury that just kept getting exaggerated because it was ignored i mean like it's it's totally plausible i don't think it's so outlandish that i don't buy it but, yeah, is it is it strange that it snuck up like this a couple of weeks after the injury allegedly took place? Yeah, it's it's weird. It could be something else. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. But, you know, just as much injuries are funny. You know, I, I, I mean, at my, I know I'm old now because I can attribute most of my injuries
1: to sleeping wrong. So Oh, boy. <laughs> Tell me about it.
0: I don't know. Why? Do you think it's anything specific?
1: I don't know. I, um... You know, and I'm not, I'm not going down the path that, you know, that Beckham's being a baby or anything, or he's taking himself out. I'm, I'm looking no, I don't at think it that as, either all. Yeah. I, I just seem like the whole situation just seemed a little strange to me. How the injury was rolled out to the public, and all of a sudden, Beckham's not playing today. Like, what? You know, and it just, it did, it didn't sound like. Well, it's something with his quad. And even like his comments were like, I don't know, man, shit ain't right. Just, something just seems a little off with me. And maybe it's, the team is just being overly protective and they know the season's over and they don't want them to play or, or and they're trying to skirt maybe some like rules on how you can say someone's injured or not. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, just, I mean, that could be.
1: It's a bit of conspiracy cranky here, but uh, something just seems odd.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it being something like that where they're being overly cautious. And, you know, like you said, there are rules now about injury reporting. Um and things of yeah. that nature, but I mean, do you think it's something serious? Like career affecting or anything like that?
1: I don't know. I don't know whether they go that it's worse than they're laying up to, or the opposite, that yeah. they're treating it worse than it actually is. It's just I just don't buy that it's just like well it's some quad injury that's just lingering. That doesn't seem I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of this. Well, I mean,
0: he's also remember he had a a tight hamstring for like the first six weeks of his career. That's that went, true. That went all the way back to like training camp. I mean, we we had no idea what kind of a receiver he was that year.
1: Do we re- remember the comment from Coughlin? Like, he needs to get on the field. You know, I got need to you know, we kind of know what, need to know what he is. Remember that? Um. Yeah. This is from July 27, two thousand fourteen. Giants coach Tom Coughlin more than a little disappointed. It was right around that period. So it was during training camp. But he had said something like, "You know, we want to get him. You know, we need to get him back on the field or something." So
0: that was a long stretch for him to not be doing anything. I mean, going from July all the way to I don't know what was it October when he finally hit the field.
1: He missed like the first what three or four games, if I recall.
0: He only played 12 games his first career. Okay, his that first, makes sense. first year, yeah. So he missed the first four weeks. So, yeah, you're going into October. Mm-hmm. If not, then the very last week of September. I don't know when the season started that year, August or September, but...
1: So he has played in his career 12 games, 15, 16, 4, and 12. So he's basically played... Well the four the four is a wash
0: because it's broken right. bones. Right, right. Um and the fifteen's a wash because that's a suspension.
1: Right. Well well fifteen and sixteen basically are playing a full season. Yeah. So Well,
0: I mean even the fifteen I'm saying wasn't injury related.
1: Right, 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 right. So um right on that edge of someone, you know, he's not brittle, but he's no. also not Eli Manning durable. So No.
0: Well, very few are.
1: That's true.
0: You know, since we're on the topic of like testing metal and and, and things of that, uh, you got a questionnaire, a poll from the front office.
1: Yeah, yeah here's something interesting. Uh, so, giant season ticket holders got a an email survey today, and I got it kind of late in the day. And um, you know, it's one of those things where they want to kind of. And I got it from the Knicks. I got it from the Rays. I got it from all my teams. We have season tickets for. Just like kind of the state of the team, in, in in your opinions, how do you feel about the atmosphere at the stadium? How do you feel about, you know, the halftime show? How do you feel about the, s- the scoreboards? Uh, but they had a couple of interesting questions I thought we could probably talk about here. Um, what they did was they said, you know, select which games you went this year, and I went through, you know, the six of the seven I've been to, and they picked the the last game we went to, which was Tennessee, and they asked, were they,
0: were they only home games that were listed?
1: Home games only. Okay. They were, they were concerned about, I think, overall the, um, the presentation of the game at, at MetLife. Um, so they asked, you know, were you satisfied with the game performance, which is a stock question. Now, obviously, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But the next question they had was, are you satisfied with the direction this team is headed? And that, to me, was instantly – that became a podcast topic. There you go. Uh, you know, the direction the team is headed – Headed for this season, headed for short term, headed for long term. I guess you can address each one of these. You know, are we satisfied with how this season has gone relative to what our expectations were and our hopes? Let's we'll start with that one. Where are you, Grump? With this season. With this season. With
0: this season being five and nine, with the potential of being seven and nine, the more likely being six, six and ten. The even more likely being five and eleven, uh, you know it's not a huge increase over being three and thirteen, but you know numbers are they need context, and if this team winds up being five and eleven, it will be a much better five and eleven than they were three and thirteen last year. Uh, I mean you already touched on it before that they, they were checked out last year; they were clearly not playing for their coach. Uh, there was a disconnect all over the place with the, with the team. They were, they were every which way. Um, and this year with the exception of two games where they were just, and I'm not talking about numbers because I've been to, I mean, how many games did I miss this year in person Four,
1: if that? Yeah. Cause we so. went to, you've been to every home game and you've, been to two away games,
0: so yeah, yeah you've been to, you've been to nine. Yeah. I've watched all these. This is eye test. So when I say we were in most of those games, I actually mean that. And you can say last week, like you said, shut out, blah, blah, blah. It was 7 nothing for the majority of the game. And while they were getting their asses kicked on the lines, there was still a one Barkley being Barkley play away from it being a tie game and changing the entire landscape of how that – Game can end. Yeah. So a lot of these games are really close. And considering the the turnover that this team has had, I mean, it's not easy to trash everything, start from just above the foundation and rebuild the house. Um, I have always said that this is like a two-year rebuild. And I think that you, one of the things, so I, I do I think that Dave Gettleman is the best GM in the league? No. Do I think that Pat Schirmer is the best head coach in the league? No. But what I see now is from front office to GM to head coach is continuity. There's a philosophy that all three buy into of setting up an offensive line that can block so that they can run the ball and use effective play action to threaten downfield, and a defense that wants to solidify the line and rush the passer. Hence the switching to 3-4, hence the Lorenzo Carter and the B.J. Hill and you know there's less of this strange disconnect where Jerry Reese liked to build from the outside in with you know these skill position players and ignore the offensive line until you know it was starting to get in the twilight of Eli's career and having Tom Coughlin as a head coach that liked to do what we're doing now i mean it always seemed um and It was only until Jerry Reese started to rebuild the offensive line that they brought in Ben McAdoo, who came from that Mike McCarthy, West Coast, quick-hitter offense. And there just seemed to be this colossal disconnect and, you know, difference in philosophy that now I see a singular focus for this team, and that's what I believe in. So... In the short term, I've liked what I've seen so far. Obviously, it's not what I want. I want to win 16 games every season. Um, but the 5-12 or 5-11, whatever we end up being, has been an encouraging one for me, and I, I can see them continuing to build next year.
1: Yeah, I think what happened was the fan base heard the coach speak and the GM speak of Gettleman saying no we're trying to win now when I truly do not believe that was the case that uh-huh. that was not their goal, but I think you know when you have a soundbite like that, you know it's going to be running the post and running the daily news every single time they lose, and every time a a a move is made that appears counter to that, and then all of a sudden you look up and all of a sudden you have a record where you're five and nine and you know This fan base is a little delusional anyway. They think that this team always is better than what their record is or what their talent level is. So, you know, you saw it all year. It's like, well, we're not out of it. If we just win every single game and everybody loses every single game, we'll make the playoffs. Let's go to work. Um, I think a realistic fan knew that this is a rebuild that's going to take multi-years and multiple – you know, flushings of the roster. You know, we're going to replace probably an offensive lineman with another guy, but that guy is not going to, may not be necessarily the long-term solution. It's a stopgap as we get slowly better and better. You know, the more drafts that this team has, you're replacing guys off the street, undrafted free agents, you know, overpaid guys, older guys. It's just going to, you know, take more and more time. So. Yeah, when I see that this team could potentially be five and 11 and say, "How is that better than three and 13," you know, just look from week two how bad this offensive line was to and I've said it several times on this show, it's gone from awful to inconsistent. That's a big leap <laughs> from being awful, where in that Dallas game, we, I was embarrassed. and you know we, that was our famous uh, "Get Us Off the Ledge" episode, where I almost jumped. And, you know, to the point now, it's, you know, it's inconsistent. Yeah, I mean. There's going to be some weeks it looks good, and there's going to be weeks like last week where it lays a fart. But, you know, that's.
0: Go two weeks back against Washington.
1: Right, well, that's inconsistent. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Look really good one week and look bad the next week. You know, guys like Jalen Brown are not the long-term solution. They're stop gaps that, you know, help the case. You know, they, they. They, they, they were a, a finger in the, in the dike to prevent you know, this all-out attack on Eli Manning. That doesn't mean he's a pro bowler. That doesn't mean he's going to be here for the next decade, but it's something to build on. So on the short term, I am pleased with what this team actually is. I, I look at the talent level, which has to be improved, and they've been competitive in almost every game. they won some games I didn't think they'd win. So short term, I'm feeling okay.
0: What about long term?
1: To be determined. I think it's too early. Um, I get what you're saying, that everybody's all on the same page. You know, <laughs> It's to be determined, as good as Saquon Barkley is, mm. if that was the right decision to be made. Absolutely. And but it doesn't be, that, Like I said,
0: I, I sorry, I, I really don't want to interrupt you, but I, yeah. I always go back to this. It doesn't have to be the right decision. It just has to be a right decision. And that right. sounds stupid, but as long as you continue to make the moves to support that move, it's the right decision. Just the mm-hmm. same as selecting Josh Rosen and not fixing the offensive line in Arizona would not make that the right move. If that's right. what they were going to do, was ignore the offensive line for the next couple of years, then they should have just passed on him and picked somebody who was going to help the team. Right. So, anyway, go yeah. ahead.
1: Okay, so, you know, that's that's a to-be-determined if, you know, they make the, they've make made the right call in that. If they, did they... Well, I'll leave it at that. We've talked about that a hundred thousand times. So that's mm-hmm. one thing that's a, to be determined. The second thing to me is, is Pat Shermer, is he a good coach?
0: Mm.
1: You know, mm. so I get it. All three are on the same page, but you know something? Dave Gettleman hired this guy. It's on him. And, you know, there are some things we're happy with, with Pat Shermer, but there are a lot of things I'm not happy with. And I, you know, this doesn't have the makings to me of being an elite coach. The question is, is he a coach that will impede the development of this team and impede winning ways? That to me is still a big to be determined. Um, the, the decisions that were made in the draft make me very encouraged. That was a, a you know, we almost went seven for seven in our draft picks and being successful. Mm. So that's encouraging. The identification of talent, um, things like cutting bait on bad decisions, I think is encouraging as well. Sure. You know, yeah. Patrick Omame was, you know, it turned out to be a bad signing, but rather than just you know, keep throwing him out there every week and deteriorating the offensive line, they made a bold move and cut him. You know, they tried to see if they can work Eric Flowers at right tackle. They didn't wait a whole year. They said, you know, not working. You know, Factors probably on and off the field contributed, but they got rid of them. So, you know, long-term, we'll see, you know.
0: But is it looking ha- good? I mean, if you had to answer this question, like, are there – are the long-term decisions – the decisions they've made that have long-term implications, do they seem like they've been good?
1: They seem like we're headed – in a better direction. There you go. I don't know if I would say they're in the right direction just yet. They're in a better... I don't feel like this team is about to enter the next seven years of 4-12, and you know, irrelevant mediocrity. I agree with that. I, I think, you know, give me another good draft class. Give me another good draft class. Let's see what we do, you know, clearing out some cap space and making some smart, strategic free agent signings. Um, You know, how is life after Eli going to be handled? That's an important, you know, didn't happen to be last year and it may not be this year. How is it going to be addressed? Are we going to somehow, you know, are we going to trade up and try to get an elite level quarterback or a a franchise quarterback? Or are we going to spend a decade like we did going from Phil Simms to Dave Brown to Danny Connell to Kerry Collins? that's a, that's a you know a big question mark that we don't know the answer to right now, and I honestly think Gettleman doesn't know that answer either at this moment.
0: It seems that way
1: yeah uh
0: were there any other questions
1: uh you know there's some things we can talk about to have a little make this a little light, kind of like your experience at a giant game like how do you feel you know you go to every game with me, you know. You know, you get used to kind of the cadence and the, the nuance of the PA announcer, the scoreboards, the the overall presentation. And now that we've been going to a lot of away games, you can see how it is relative to other stadiums and other markets. Um, so I guess my question to you, Grump, is how do you feel about going to a giant game?
0: Well, I can say that I am super glad it's nothing like being in Charlotte. Um, <laughs> I understand that the Panthers have to compete with a very, very disinterested in NFL area where they're sort of in the right on the edge of the SEC, but they're definitely in the midst of like the ACC, and college football is just much bigger where they are, and the Panthers have only been relevant for about the last since Cam Newton's been been the quarterback. I mean, for the most part.
1: Well, they went to a Super Bowl with Jake DeLome. They did. Too,
0: so, yeah. But but you get my point. I mean, they're not – Yeah. they they play in a division with Matt Ryan and Drew Brees and, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it just – it is what it is. College football is bigger there. And unless the, the Panthers are able to string together some dynasty years or some consistency in winning their division, they need to do shit that is just so obnoxious that it's beyond – I mean – I don't know why. For college, it's it doesn't bother me at all that there's a band after every fucking play. There's like a a little because it's a band. Yeah, it, I, I guess because <laughs> it is a band. But man, when I tell you the pumped in noise every play, there's like a dubstep song for about ten seconds, and then a, and then there's another play, and it's just it's not because I'm an outsider. It's because it's actually obnoxious. It just it just starts. It's it's kind of like. To the point where it's so often that it just sounds like a CD that's skipping in the car. Yeah. Um, Or for... Forced enthusiasm. Yeah, it's it. it's just... It, it, it's, so... it's,
1: and keep, and... Them sim- keep them stimulated as much as you can, as often as you can. So when you walk out of there after three that hours, you are exhausted. And not from watching the game, from just all the ancillary bullshit that is pumped down your throat. Yeah
0: and you know i i like that the giants situation at Midlife stadium is much more low key it's not so forced but at the same time there are some things that it doesn't feel like anyone is super into it it's it, the game dictates being into it which I, I i don't know i guess i don't really like so what I mean by that is, if the Giants are playing well, the fans are totally into it, and it it it's been raucous there while we've been there. I mean, we were there for the playoff game against the Atlantic Falcons in 2011, and to to my memory, that's the loudest that we've ever heard MetLife. And I mean, they they took that game and just ran with it, and the the, the poor Falcons fans that bothered to show up that they they got an earful. That's but, right. But it was it was great and it was it was fun in there. But to a certain extent, I mean, there's not a whole lot of say walking into the into the stadium. And I know the last two years are sort of a bad, you know, backbone to kind of support this. But there's no chanting going on as you're walking around the concourse or getting off the train. Nope, it, everybody's just sort of like trudging in and whatever and.
1: Yeah, even I mean, in the this-
0: parking lot, like, and again, I know that they we haven't been super relevant, but come on, how are you not excited for Giants, Cowboys? I mean, the Cowboys aren't very good either. You can get a chance to rub it in the face of a division rival, you know? It, it just it it's so dictated by the game that there should be a little bit of life, something that gets this fan base going, and it's some of it's the fans for not giving a shit, and 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 I mean that because like the younger kids, yeah, they're they're trying. <laughs> did they try yeah. to get some chance going it's a little embarrassing but the older guys it's almost like they don't want to be there it's like they want to
1: I, I don't well, know well i mean i i you know <laughs> the first thing i'll say is i am very i think the city of new york and you know i'd say the city of new york i mean new york new jersey i think is very lucky that the presentation at a giant game a nick game and mostly to a yankee game has that same level of understatedness that if you go to 5, 10, 20, 40, 60 games a year is something you really do appreciate. Now, I get it. If you go to one game a year and you're 10 years old, you want all the fireworks and the noise and the music Mm -hmm. and all that other shit. But, you know, the Giants are an NFL team that caters to their season ticket fan base first. And the Giants have an older fan base than I would venture almost any other team in the league except for maybe Green Bay. You know, a, 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 a fan base where season tickets are passed down from generation to generation. I mean, if I lived in Tampa Bay and I wanted season tickets, I'd call up right now and I have season tickets. That's not happening with the Giants. That's not happening with Green Bay. So you have an older fan base that just holds on to their tickets. Now, yes, when they built the new stadium and they introduced PSLs, you had the biggest turnover probably in, in season ticket history with the Giants, but still, you know, you see a grump who sits around us. We have a lot of older people that you would you know, we've been to Charlotte and Atlanta this year, we've been to Tampa, we've been to these other places. You don't see a lot of people with grey hair sitting around us in these other places.
0: Well happen. I I understand like so for for instance, here's something I've seen at every single away game I've been to. This includes Denver, etc. Mm-hmm. When when the home team trots out on the field, they do the player by player introduction with fireworks and smoke machines. I don't need that. You know, the Giants running out as a team seems very Giants like to me and I, I love that because it's exciting. You know, that,
1: you know where that started from, right? I don't. So before a Super Bowl, it always used to be like, let's introduce the defensive starters for the 49ers, and they'd go through all the names. I believe it was Super Bowl 25, and if if I'm wrong, correct me, guys, out there, but they were the first team where the, the whole defense just came out at the exact same time. They didn't announce player by player. And ever since then, they've been doing that, you know, coming out of the tunnel. Maybe it was, but maybe it was the Baltimore one. I don't remember. But there was one where, and I remember going to old games in the old Giant Stadium where they, you know, they announced, you know, and Michael Strahan. But they don't do that anymore. Hmm. So that's where that came from.
0: Well, you know, regardless of where it came from, it just it that feels very Giants to me, and it's not very flashy, but it is exciting, and you know, people cheer and they all stand up and clap and they run to the to to our end zone actually, and they all kind of like kneel down or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know. That's a level of understatedness that I think is a happy medium. But, I, I mean, I'm not asking for dubstep songs. I, I, I Just something. There has to be something. There has to be a middle ground that older fans, like the ones around us who stand up and clap when the Giants run out as a team, that that they can get down with. I mean, you can hear it that there's, there's – I mean, there's no – I don't need the Tampa Bay thing where one side of the field screams Tampa, the other f- side screams Bay. But there's right. no sort of unifying motto. There's nothing giants. There's no terrible towel. There's no There's no anything attaching this team to anything.
1: And the things that they do do are things that every other team in the league does. I mean, do we need to hear the hell's bells on yeah. third down? Yeah. Watch a game, you know, you're watching on – Red zone or just flipping around the league, every single team does that now. You know, having the guy go, it's tr- down. Oh, it's it's just, the you know, worst. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, eh, you know, but again, you know, it solves all these problems.
0: Yeah, I understand, but winning,
1: but yeah, being I, good, being relevant. I mean, I mean, we yeah, we went to the game Sunday, you know, this, this past week and, you know, yeah, the weather was shitty, but it was just kind of like, We're just going. I mean, it's hard to get excited for something unless there's something to be excited for. You know, I've been, to you know, I'm not nine years old anymore. I've been going to giant games, you know, regularly for 20 years. I've been following the team for almost 40 years now. It's just, that makes me feel old, huh, Grump? (laughs) But, you know, it's just like the freshness and excitement of, well, it's just the Giants. I'm going to be going nuts every game. I'm past that. But are you? I mean, I, I'm
0: not saying that, again, there's no red carpet rolled out for the fans to have a great time. Uh, yes, they have to have a reason to have a good time. I, I get that. They're, they're not just they're, going they're, to see the Giants. That's not the exciting thing. It's they're going to see a good team. I understand that. And I, I yeah. There, there is an onus put on ownership to put a good product on the field for fans to want to go, etc. Absolutely, yeah, I get it. right, hundred percent. But again, there just has to be some level of effort there. There has to be something, and it can be something where it it doesn't bother you. You know what I mean? There must be a middle ground there somewhere.
1: Um, uh, are you saying like? Not like a Seattle crowd where it's just always loud, just from. Beginning well, I mean, like to end in no.
0: Denver, they have like the stampede thing, and everybody stomps on the ground, and it's loud as fuck. But like everybody's involved; they all want to be there, they all want to be part of the stampede, you know. And yeah, it's not New corny.
1: It, yeah, but it's something New York. I, New York for all of their teams and all the things that you know New Yorkers do. It's different here. I mean, New Yorkers think they're above all that. Yeah, you know, well they're not. Uh, they're teams in the cellar. I I am just talking about all just of as, them. A, as, as a as as f you're right. They all suck. There are no good teams and there's With there's,
0: the exception of the Yankees.
1: Yeah, right. And even there, you know, they're a you know, a, a playoff team, they're not a championship team. Yes. And that's that's the best of the bunch. I don't know. I mean, a lot of these things you see in smaller markets just don't resonate here. The people here think they're above it. And I just, you
0: know, all I'm saying is that there must be something that can be come that can be come up with that, that doesn't annoy people. The people that don't want to contribute won't be annoyed by the fact that it's happening. And the majority of people there, hopefully closer to 80 to 85%, get involved with.
1: But whatever and, that has to whatever that is, it has to be organic. It can't be like, okay guys, this year we're gonna try something new on third down. We're gonna yell, big blue! Let's practice it before it. You know, we have ten minutes before airtime. Let's practice doing that so when we we're on TV. I mean, that's Tampa Bay. They I do understand shit that, like that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, look. I mean, maybe, maybe maybe we're also in we're also in a StubHub generation where yes, the season ticket holders still hold 100% of the tickets, but because there is a demand for tickets because the team sucks teams are being flipped on a secondary market a lot more than they used to so you're not getting you know that cohesion of a fan that you used to maybe 10 15 20 years ago in good times or bad
0: well here's my theory maybe i didn't notice it because i didn't notice it in the past because since building the new stadium it's just lifeless and dull
1: yeah and the old stadium was kind of Lifeless and dull too, relative to the older stadiums. But this place is—it is as generic as you can possibly be. Yeah, I mean it. You know, it's, and we know why it is. I mean, there is trying to be Unitarian Stadium where you can, you know, have, you know, twenty games a year between two teams in preseason and the occasional college game and, you know, all the other stuff that goes on. They don't want to offend either side. They want to make it as easy to flip as possible, but it's just a an enormous building with no life, and it's truly built for the comfort of the most expensive seats. I mean, our biggest complaint in that place is I don't care that it's gray, I don't care about it, it's no life in it, is those goddamn concourses are too narrow. That was not built for comfort for people to move around in. It's built to maximize space. Now, if you're in the club level, different universe. It's built to people who are spending $50,000 a seat license and God knows what for suites and everything. But it's not a comfortable stadium for the amount of money that was spent, the amount of teams that are paying for it, and relative where they came from.
0: I mean, the, I think all that goes into it. Like you said, the concourse is too small. It's like getting in and out of a subway car. And I wish I were joking, but I know it was raining on Sunday when we went, and people were trying to stay under the roof for as long as possible. But like, fuck, man, the, the bathroom is right behind our seats, and I gotta shove my way there. And it's like, like
1: that every week. That's not. That's not just because it was raining or. Cause yeah, it was I cold. know. I mean, it's shit, like that.
0: I, uh, I want one thing of food, and food's everywhere, but because everything is so crammed, all I'm doing is rubbing up against people and wondering why I can't move, and I I literally have to be an asshole to get to my seats, Like, and it's that's nobody else's fault. It's not the fans. I mean, it's just fucking crowded, and it is dull and gray and lifeless. I mean, I think that in the, the years that it's been open, getting close to a decade now, they- could have done more to make the stadium more flippable between Jets and Giants. They're the only two fucking teams that play there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get that they're going to have difficulties some weeks with, you know, the Jets play, playing at home on Saturday and the Giants playing on Sunday, but those things have happened, like, what, once since the stadium's been opened? There must be something for the fucking walls, something something to make me mean, feel at home. Who gives
1: a shit either? I mean, who gives a shit that one, side line, one end zone says Jets and one says Giants – they actually had to spend time and money and effort to take out one of the end zones or both of them and put those lines in. It looks cool, but it's just like there's a the result of people actually worrying about shit like that, but I mean, I'm not worried about it, but in no, ten no, years and, and, and say you I mean people that they force them to have neutral end zones
0: oh yeah, I guess so ridiculous I, I but... just
1: yes yeah, you're right. what makes atmosphere and what makes energy at the end of the day is a compelling product and a winning product
0: i I understand you're, that I mean still though I mean at the beginning of the year there is no product. Week one, there's no product week three there's limited product to base it off of I mean you at a certain point some of it has to the fans have to bring it and there has to be they got there must be something like you like you said the the hell's bells, the old shit like I'm not asking for dubstep, you know what I mean. I'm I'm just asking for some kind of freshness in life. I mean, they could look. They could pump in some old recorded video of Lawrence Taylor saying that they need to come out like crazed dogs and do something with that. I don't fucking know. It could be built off of something Giants related. And that related.
1: stuff works. And that stuff actually does work. I mean, yeah. When they do, when they show the old clips and stuff, people do get excited about it. I love that shit. <laughs> I mean, that's the one thing the Giants have that a lot of teams like the Panthers or the Bucks or they have a history. And I get it. Don't don't give me the you know, well they've only won this and that that they have that period in the 80s was, you know, that's what resonates the most with this entire fan base. I mean, yes, they won two Super Bowls in 2007 and 2011. Yes, you know, they went to the Super Bowl in 2000. But this fan base what gets them going and gets that little gleam in their eye is the seeing days. the Mark Bavaro, you know, dragging four 49ers 20 yards, seeing Lawrence Taylor, you know, knocking this shit out of somebody, seeing, you know, Jim Burton knocking out Joe Montana, seeing, you know, those guys, that team, seeing Bill Parcells, you know, on the sideline. That's what this, this fan base, you know, always gets excited about.
0: Yeah, I, I there must be something they can do with something like that. You know, I don't know, on on third down or I, I don't know. They try
1: it just doesn't work. And when it's third down, I mean again, when it's time to get loud, this this crowd does get loud. When it's third and something, when it's time when it's,
0: to get quiet, this crowd gets loud.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> but there also is because this is New York and because we're in this up generation you see more and more away fans yeah, than I you ever that. did in the old stadium or even, you know, five years ago. It's just the combination of the team stinks and just you know, there is now a legitimate market for secondary tickets in the excess you don't have to you don't have to go to the port authority and look for the shady guy who's selling tickets before you take the bus out there. You have the tickets delivered right to your phone up to kickoff. Yeah. That, that changes and, dynamic.
0: And you can make a day out of it. You can go to Xanadu right after.
1: <laughs> Take some Xanax first, but... Oof.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I'm in between on MetLife Stadium. I mean, there are some structural things that I hate. The fact that there's no retractable roof. The fact that the concourses are, are criminally too small. The fact that it's a little bit lifeless falls probably last on the, my list of complaints.
1: But, you know, the there's lifeless... Easy- There's easy fixes. I mean, there's things like more stats. Yeah. People forget the old stadium. They used to have those small, like, rectangular scoreboards in the end zones. And they constantly told you how many yards Eli Manning had, how many rushing yards Tiki Barber had, how many, you know, receiving yards, uh, you know, Manning had or something. You hardly, you know, it's few and far between. I mean they try to put like some fantasy things on there, but again, you, I'm here to watch my game. And you know something what they could do? Is be bold. We have four scoreboards. It wouldn't kill them to have one or two to have the Red Zone channel. I mean people are interested in their I, fantasy stuff. I would hate stuff. that. I'm going to say that right now. You would hate that man no.
0: like you said i'm here to see my team and i understand that there's four scoreboards and not all four of them have to be what's already in front of me even if i don't have good seats but you know at the same time if you want to put stats up there or some other camera angle or i, I don't know something else other than what's on the other three scoreboards and right in front of me i'm game for that but i don't want to watch another game up there that
1: yeah but here's the thing though you know yes i'm here to see my team i'm here to see the giants but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be you know, the NFL is so interconnected now between, you know, worrying about in your division, you know, who's winning and losing, what's happening for wild card scenarios, and then you extend it out to fantasy, gambling. No, I these get are it. these are real things and you don't want to feel like you're kind of, you know, isolated from the world without having to constantly look on your phone and updating your Twitter, which then kind of takes you out of your game. It's very easy to look in the corner of your eye and be like Oh, Cowboy game! What's going on there, real quick? You know, as much as you look at our scoreboards, but I definitely think they need to update the presentation of you know stats and and and, and things like that because you know we don't get to listen to you know a color commentator, and we we want to know what's happening, especially the astute fans that are like, you know, Eli seems like he's having a shitty game. Oh, he's really ten for twenty-six. I was right. That should be at our fingertips for being there.
0: Yeah, I I well here's the thing for for anyone who hasn't been to a home game, they do break away to around the league during TV timeouts. They do show fantasy stats during TV timeouts, but those are not often enough. Sometimes I mean sometimes yeah. there's just a the low. Highlights,
1: where... the highlights are like once a maybe once a quarter, probably once a half. They show the the fantasy stats. They do pretty much on every timeout.
0: Um, but but you're right. I mean a lot of times we have to look up what Eli Manning's stats are. On our phones because it's not available. I mean, you're right. It should just be somewhere where I can see it. It's relevant to what I'm directly watching.
1: And it's a shame because, like, it's not like they have to build scoreboards for it. They have those ribbon scoreboards all around the stadium. They just
0: pump out ads, though. They
1: pump out ads and nonsense. At the end of the day, though, I am grateful that we do play in a stadium where it's not 120 decibels every time of music, an obnoxious sideline hype person, you know we don't have any of that stuff, and that that to me I'm grateful for.
0: Yeah, I, I have to say, and this might be a little bit old man of me, but after the the Carolina game, I started to get ahead. Like it was annoying, but by like the third quarter, I was like Jesus Christ! Like I was like really going out of my mind, and that's when the game was getting competitive. Like like we were taking the lead, or whatever. And I was just starting to go out of my mind with the the loudness and the fakeness of all
1: of it. Well, that's it. Well, you just hit it right on the head. It becomes, you know, yes, at one thing you want to have something that gets the crowd more hype. But at a certain point, it becomes forced, canned, inauthentic enthusiasm. You know, I think this fan base, I think most fan bases, but I think this giant fan base, they know when it's time to get loud. They will. They've proven it. Don't try to get me so pumped up when it's, you know, 11 minutes left in the first quarter and it's second and eight. And, you know, it's like, we'll we'll get there. It's not making any difference. Relax.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'd like a chant or something. I don't need a J-E-T-S fight <laughs> song or anything, but, you know. I
1: don't, yeah, as long as it's not a, a chop.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know those are my thoughts. I'm sure other people have uh those well, those are our thoughts. Sorry. I don't want to claim ownership of your thoughts. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure listeners have their own opinions. Um I you know we we've been around to other same you far more than me, but I've seen some things that I, I, a little jealous of, you know. Um and a lot uh, I will say far more things that I I'm so glad that we don't do and things mm-hmm. I'm jealous of. But there, there is some sort of things. I mean, when you watch a Pittsburgh game and you see all the yellow towels swinging around, when you, you know...
1: Let me tell you something, Grump. I, I've been to a Steeler game. I went to the uh, Giant steeler game in 2008. As much as, like, the towels are cool and, you know, these guys have been there for a thousand years going to games, music, much louder. Hype shit, much more or enthusiasm from the scoreboard and PA announcer. Check, check, check. It doesn't resonate as much on TV, but when you're there, it was actually strange. Like it was kind of like, I didn't expect all of the ancillary nonsense that we were getting. Again, smart fan base. They know they know when it's time to get loud. They know when it's time to wave the towels. But there's a PA announcer who says Wave those towels! Hey, it's third down.
0: Listen, listen. I'm I'm specifically singling out the towels thing because uh, you know it's it's a thing that is associated directly with Pittsburgh. Right. But when you say wave those towels, when when they hand out towels at MetLife, that same thing goes on the scoreboard.
1: But you don't have a guy yelling at the top of his lungs, yeah, the that's eight answer. Like you know, again, that can force enthusiasm.
0: I am. Um, I'll say this actually. I'm glad that they've moved on to a younger guy announcer who is still low key, but not a a geriatric, you know, Bob yeah. Shepard wannabe. Jim
1: Ward. Yeah, they they've. Uh, I think Jim Ward passed away also.
0: But but I mean, they yeah, didn't continue that style, legacy.
1: Same style. You know, just kind of understated, not being a cheerleader. Because that's one of my pet peeves. If you go to a a basketball game or something. Having, yeah. you know, your PA announcer being a cheerleader. It's unprofessional. It makes you sound bush.
0: But again, they they went with an understated guy, but not the tackle by Strahan. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that they've at least moved into a direction where there's some sort of life.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want to imitate the last guy you have either.
0: All right, so so Sunday in in Lucas Oil Stadium, predictions?
1: I think we're going to get killed. Yep. I think, uh, you know, as much as we want to hope that uh, Pat Sherman will keep this team together, as much as we want to hope there's a level of professionalism, as much as I hope we want people playing for their jobs, I I see them running into a hot team. I see a bad matchup, and I see them losing something. I see them being out of it early. I see us switching over to the Jet game because we're going to a – a big family party, there'll be a lot of Jet fans there as well as Giant fans, and I see the game I see the T V slipping to the Jets. I see us losing something like thirty eight ten.
0: Yeah, pretty much all the things you said, I just don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. I think we lose early and Indianapolis starts kind of relaxing a little bit, running out the clock, and we might score some garbage time points to make the score slightly more respectable, but I'm thinking something like thirty to thirteen.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. <laughs> but you know, that's that's where we are right now. So
0: yeah, and it's also it's it's a tough time to be running into this matchup, right? Um, so again, I I think if this were like you know week ten, we'd be looking at maybe a different story.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
0: Um, Tennessee's playing Washington at home. If the
1: Tennessee team that shows up that we saw last week, I think Tennessee blows them out. I think, I think Washington's a mess right now. Um, we, we saw a defense that kind of, we saw a team that quit on them two weeks ago when they played the Giants. Um, they did win last week, so they still have some hopes. But just physically, I just don't think they're very good. I, I think Tennessee wins a kind of a low-scoring, ugly game. Let's go uh, Tennessee, twenty-one. 21-
0: 10 yeah, I could see that I'm, I'm thinking Tennessee wins too. I think washington Washington has too many question marks with their quarterback and their offense in general to deal with a defense like Tennessee's and you know essentially their, it ends their up, running game
1: their running game is moving too right now it's yeah. it's working
0: yeah it's, it lends itself to a game like the one we played yeah. um Dallas is heading over is at home against Tampa Bay.
1: Hmm. I mean, like I said earlier in the show, that I was ready to start giving Dallas some real props, and they came, they laid a tremendous egg last week. Uh, the Bucks. <laughs> you know, I there's never been a team in the last thirty years of me watching football, close to forty years, where I'm consistently wrong about a team, whether it's a team that knocks me out of the survivor pool whether I'm betting against them, whether it's, you know, you name it. Um, Their defense is atrocious. You don't know what you're getting out of what quarterback, whatever quarterback they're going to throw out there. I I think they have one of the worst coaches in the league. Um, But having said that, it's in Dallas. So Tampa Bay hasn't won on the road in God knows how many weeks. I think, you know, I don't think Jameis has won. I think he's lost something like, 11 or 12 road games in a row. Something crazy. They're they are not winning this Sunday either. Let's go um, Dallas 28, Tampa Bay 7. I don't even think it's
0: close at all. I think it's, it's Dallas all the way right from the beginning. I think Tampa Bay, like you said, they, they can't win on the road. And I think every time Tampa Bay starts playing like shit, they start spinning the quarterback
1: carousel. Right. So, and he may get maybe a, a real short term burst, and a short term would mean like a series or two. Yeah. You know, at first they were saying he's going to be out for the year, Carson Wentz, but now they saw he hasn't been ruled out.
0: He has not been ruled out yet, but I don't think he's practiced.
1: Yeah. Um, honestly, I really don't think it matters. I think, uh, I think Houston goes in there, and I think they roll too. Um, you know that, that Eagle secondary is dreadful. You know, I will say Houston starts slow but wears him down in the second half and wins 31-10.
0: Um, I think actually Houston gets off to a quick start, and I think Philly fights back, and I think it ends up going in overtime, and Houston wins. Ooh, okay. I think I, it's just one of those things with Nick Foles – I mean who I'm who I'm counting on to be the starter. I just think that they hang around. Um I I there's something about Bill O'Brien as an NFL coach I still don't buy. Um so we will be at a our our annual family Christmas party where the Giants lose every time. <laughs> um, with the exception it's one of those I think tra- once.
1: It's one of those traditions like the Yankees swap and the mistletoe and the getting the gifts from Santa it's everybody gathering around the tv and watching grump and the cranky fan get pissed off yeah. i think my my legendary stomping off after the deshaun jackson touchdown whatever year that was
0: 2010 I,
1: I had to leave physically leave the party cuz i was so pissed off yeah. <laughs> i wandered into the streets of queens cuz i was so angry and i didn't want to see my you know my flesh and blood see me at my absolute worst
0: yeah um, I'm not sure if we're gonna have a review episode. It's kind of gonna fall on a weird time where it's Christmas Eve. We have some other things going on that night, which I'm sure all of you will too. And then Christmas is the next day. So
1: yeah, and then we hit the road for uh, our little vacation. So we will. Uh, you know, at worst case, you might have a solo show from one yeah. of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, if we were in the playoff hunt, we would figure it out. But I think because we're kind of dead and done. We may just have you guys enjoy the holidays. And yeah. <laughs> not unless, worry unless about of it.
0: course, something happens. Obviously, that that goes without saying.
1: Oh, of you course. Know, if
0: there's of anything course. that's an emergency, such as you know, Barkley tearing an ACL, that's me knocking on wood. Sorry. Um, etc. You know, well, you people may
1: about. not know this, but in podcast land, we don't have these expensive, huge studios. We we can put all of our equipment right into our little computer bag and go with this, So. Okay. While we're on the road or something, and we need to discuss something, it's important we can, you know, in two minutes be recording and, and ready to go. So we are not uh, we're not cutting the cord this week. It's just it may be a little, you know, awkward. You know, different timing than you're used to. Yeah. So and how with would you that, find out about that? Yeah. Guys? Yeah.
0: With that um it's important that you follow us on twitter if you love the show i'm at football underscore grump um where i can have my immediate reactions to anything sort of emergency related or you know during the game i try to tweet as much as possible at games is a little bit more difficult when especially when it's raining but i i'm extremely active on twitter uh everything's giants related for the most part uh and uh, I I do like to interact with people and explain myself a little bit more. I I am contentious but not mean. Um, yes. And uh, anything podcast related is always bumped on Twitter through me through the cranky fan and the uh, the podcast Twitter itself at Just Giants Pod.
1: You catch me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan as long as my companion podcast Mark and the cranky fan where we discuss all things Florida Gator football. You know, as we're starting to wind just past uh, early signing day and we're getting ready for the bowl game, um, you know, we have me and my co-host Mark McLeod of uh, Local Gainesville Radio. We talk about all things Florida football. So if you can't get enough of my you know, velvet voice, there's a whole other podcast you can go listen to.
0: And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And while you're there, clicking that subscribe button, Checking for new episodes, listening back to old episodes while you crunch some numbers at work or whatever whatever you do.
1: <laughs> whatever it is that you do out there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, make sure to just quick give us a five-star rating and leave a nice little review for anybody who just stumbles upon the podcast.
1: That's right. The more reviews and ratings we get, the more people we can interact with. we can grow this thing. So um, you know, we'd appreciate that
0: and with that go giants the giants